Welcome to the Curator's Salon podcast. I'm Gita Joshi. And today my guest is all the way from Toronto, Benny Bing. Welcome, Benny. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, let's, let's start talking about how you actually came into being an artist, because it's not something you've done for a very long time. That is correct. My father um, used to uh, draw, sketch, and paint. Um, so I know it's kind of always been in the family. Uh, so as a kid, I used to, as every other child would. Um, but as you grow older, you tend to move away from the arts uh, and explore different things. Uh, but later on in my life, uh, back in 2015, I discovered this talent of mine, specifically painting, um, which is a very interesting story. Um, so my wife and my mother-in-law um, for Christmas 2014 bought me acrylic paint. And um, I know I, was, I never really painted before, so it was kind of strange to me. However, I'm uh, very humble enough to accept a gift <laughs> and, uh, and use it, which I did. And in February 2015, I picked up a canvas, uh, bought a couple of brushes. And this time, I think I only bought probably two or three. I think it was actually one brush and a, uh, a palette knife because I wanted to explore using a palette knife. And I started. Uh, and I will never, will never forget. I was quite amazed at how good I was. So I said, I'll just keep on doing it. And it, from a hobby, it became a whole career. So amazing. When you originally started drawing, you know, you were just experimenting. Were you doing people and portraiture then as well? That's correct. I've always done portraits. And because um, I'm very good at sketching faces. And it's something that when I was in corporate but prior to, to painting, I was, uh, you know, doodling on my desk when I had free time. So I, when I started painting, I, I originally started off with um, portraits and, and sketches of, of well, well, yeah, portraits. So you had the exhibition Bloom scheduled for later this year in Toronto, and then obviously that got cancelled with the coronavirus lockdown. Um, that show's titled Bloom, and you've got it as a virtual exhibition. Can we talk some more about that exhibition? Absolutely. So last year, I had a show, Colorblind, which was well-received. Uh, so I decided this year I was going to put together an idea I had been working on after the success of Colorblind, which is, um, which is Bloom. So I, I was partnering up with uh, uh, the corporates uh, and uh, private sector to put the show together um, and in halfway in between the negotiations with two major sponsors and brands uh, COVID um, unfortunately devastated uh, our world as as it still is doing today um, but we, you know you have to think about you know things sh nothing should stop you and you should still be able to thrive and, and, and maneuver through crisis. So what I thought was, this is an amazing collection. I do not want to wait till next year to show this collection. The world needs to see it. Um, the message, um, the story, and the work needs to be told. So I decided that the best option would be to do a virtual ex exhibit online. Um, and the planning of that on, on its own, is all, it's, you know, that, was, that was tricky. Um, there were a lot of conversations between myself and 
um, my, my wife, who's my manager, um, on how we could do this and, and how people would really feel um, what I'm trying to convey with the work and the collection through a virtual online exhibit um, compared to the traditional uh, gallery uh, exhibition. Um, but we were able to pull it off, and I believe even the internet actually provides greater tools on what we needed to do. So um, that worked. The idea of the work, Bloom, had been sitting, something I'd been thinking about right after um, my, my, my last exhibit, Colorblind. And it was something I really wanted the world to see. Uh, and it's, it's more of a continuation of my previous bodies of work, which is all about female, black female empowerment, identity, self pride, and um, self love. So with Bloom, I chose um, um, eight different women. Um, I painted eight different women. However, four of them are actually real women that um, I know. And uh, two, two I don't know, but however, I do know some of the women. And I really wanted to capture the beauty and essence of what they do and who they are. And so I, one is from Nigeria, one is from Kenya, and two are from Toronto, one is from Ethiopia. Um, so I really wanted to, to kind of tell their stories, but, be, but more be an instrument um, and have the story really be about them. Um, and talk about what does beauty and blackness mean to them and have the world hear that. Because sometimes the story is always one-sided. We only hear about these stories from, um, from a specific group at times and other groups get left out. So how do we tell a full story? And how do we, get that? How do we make sure that other stories are not uh, unheard? Uh, so that's what I wanted to do with this collection, which um, with, from what I'm seeing, a lot of people are responding very positively uh, uh, towards this collection uh, than any of my other collections. And so I'm very happy about that. And I think the reason is because there's an audio component to the, ex to the virtual exhibit. And that is, I think, when you hear the words, from these women themselves. I think it's, it's was more powerful um, than anything else. I, ha I don't think I've heard the audio component to this exhibition actually, so I'll have to go and have a, a listen, but I'll add a link into the show notes for any of our audience that are listening and want to sort of visit the exhibition and listen to the audio. So your work's always featured um, strong black female figures. How, how has this body of work sort of evolved from Colorblind, your uh, collection from last year? Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, my, uh, if this started out with the Women of Color series, which this is, this is the fourth installation of that series. It originally started off with Adelani. Adelani is Yoruba for We Own the Crown. And Adelani series was, uh, was paintings of Black women in head wraps, and the traditional African head wraps or traditional fabric. Uh, what I wanted, um, I'm half Nigerian, half Bayesian from Barbados. Um, and uh, I wanted to pay homage to my heritage. And growing up in Nigeria, uh, head wraps was something every woman wore. 
and there's always been this beautiful thing I've always wanted to capture. So I use this body work to tell that story and how the different head wraps are worn and what that means in, in the context of, uh, uh, of uh, the different tribes and different cultures in Africa, uh, not just specifically to my Nigerian culture, but all the cultures across um, Africa. And um, I also titled each painting in the Adelani series after the word queen in an African language or actual African queens. Because I felt this was, was important for the audience to learn about these African women who were very powerful. I learned about them back in, in school in Nigeria. However, they're not talked about on the global scale. Uh, we hear a lot about you know, Nefertiti, and that seems like to be the only African queen <laughs> that existed. But there are a lot of African queens and a lot of African warriors that actually fought off um, invaders and, and the colonialists and so on and so forth. So I really wanted to tell those stories um, at the same time, you know, really showcasing this, this beauty. Um, and, you know, that took a whole life of its own. People were so blown away by that. Um, and I kind of felt, you know, that, that this is the type of response I'm looking for in terms of what my work and what my art can do is how it inspires people, it moves people, it educates people, it, it opens conversation and dialogue. Um, so I, I, I decided to continue. Uh, in the second series, which I titled Women of Color, was taking off the head wrap and showcasing underneath their natural crown, which is their hair. And I really wanted to talk about natural hair, not black hair. Um, because it's one of those uh, subjects that is very touchy um, in terms of uh, how, you know, how black women wear their hair. It's only too recent in, you know, in North America where you had companies that decided to allow women to you know, wear their natural black hair in the office place. Uh, we're talking about dreadlocks. We're talking about um, just having their hair out as an Afro. Uh, a lot of times there were, there were, there were been problems with it, even in for example, in the U.S. military, um, they were forced to wear certain hairstyles. So, you know, it's something of um, embracing black hair has always been important. And I, I believe uh, it's, it's, it, it needed to be told and needed to be showcased in all its div div different beautiful forms. Uh, so in that collection of women of color, I, I tackled black hair and the beauty in black hair and, and the pride that comes with wearing that crown. Uh, the third installation, I decided to, uh, to move in a different direction. It's same subjects, women of color. Um, some of these women are also in, 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 the, uh, in the colorblind collection, actually friends of mine. But I wanted to talk about something that we all have had this discussion within our circles um, as black individuals, which is a statement we hear from non-blacks, which is, I don't see color i just see you which is um i won't use the word problematic but I, it comes from a very good place i can see however um when you make that statement you erase the individual's lived experience you, you erase their culture you should see color because we are all different at the same but we're all about the same but we should embrace our differences. And I think that's what, that's what is, that was, that was what is important about that collection is talking about color blindness, 
in today's society and how we address our biases. Um, so this, so that, so colorblind, um, putting that together, those were about 13 pieces was, um, was a great feat of mine. Uh, I've never put together a show on that scale. Um, and I felt the collection was so powerful, the message was powerful, the exhibit itself, people were in, you know, in deep conversations about colorblindness. And, and I was so happy because um, that, that was what I wanted it to do. So, this course, yeah, it's absolutely such an important thing, isn't it? When you exhibit work, to, you know, and it really puts across its relevance as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you have people, non-blacks, that, that have conversations and said, you know, I never thought about it that way. I, I, I just, I always use that because I felt, you know, um, we should just see the content of the, of the character, like Dr. Martin Luther King always said, you know, that's a great quote. However, <laughs> You know, we, we, can, we can discuss that further, but anyway. Uh, so with the new collection, I really wanted to continue going down that line. So with Bloom, I decided to, to tackle what beauty and blackness means, but have the audience hear it from the mouths of the women themselves um, to kind of um, enhance the storytelling where in, you're not just looking at very beautiful visuals, of black women in you know, painted with regal looks, very regal, but more to hear from, the, from themselves how they feel about their beauty and their blackness. And to tell you, Gita, when I, when I listened to some of these audio files when I first got them, um, I was brought to tears. Um, it just made my work more meaningful because you're hearing it from these women about how they feel and what, you know, what their blackness means to them. And um, I, to, to right now, I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, grateful that they were, uh, they participated in this project and were an instrumental piece in bringing it to life. Amazing. How has lockdown affected all of this? Because obviously the, the show's gone virtual, but what about the creative process? Uh, the creative process was during lockdown, I think was the best I ever had um, in terms of, um, I normally would go into isolation whenever I create any bodies of work. Um, however, this time was a little bit different because I was so immense um, in the work and, uh, and the, the creativity uh, came, I think it was about two weeks prior to Canada announcing lockdown measures. Um, so I had already gone, you know, jumped, dived into the work, but because there was no distractions in terms of having to um, so go out to social gatherings or um, any of the things that would normally distract me from my work, I was so into it. And it allowed, gave me time to sit down at home and really um, creatively give my all, 100%. Uh, into my creative process and experiment more, take more time. A lot of times in, in, you know, with the, all the bodies of work, uh, I've always felt I needed to uh, you know, complete the work as quick as I could um, in order to deliver. However, this time there was, there was really no, no time limit. So I took as much time as I needed to 
really get as much detail into the work and evolve uh, creatively. Uh, so there's a lot more detail in the Bloom Collection. Um, and I really worked hard to kind of, you know, uh, display what my talent is um, and the talents that I have, especially seeing, you know, being self-taught. Um, and, and, you know, it's very different when you're self-taught. Uh, there's a lot of things, you know, I go online and I read a lot and watch a lot and study a lot from, uh, from information that's out there. Uh, so I took some of the knowledge that I learned and put it into the work. So the creative process was the best I think I've ever experienced. And I think uh, the next body of work that I, that I will jump into would definitely take that same route of, uh, of a not complete isolation, but a very good isolation in terms of uh, diving head, no, head first and remaining in that space. Um, so I'm very, I'm, no, I'll, I'll call it a blessing in disguise. Um, because a, a lot of us look at it as, you know, the, 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 iso the, the lockdown changed our lives in terms of how we communicate and, and how we feel. And a lot of us feel carbon, uh, cabin fever. Um, but in this situation, I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I didn't, but it actually turned out to be a very positive thing for me and my creative process. So yeah, blessing in disguise. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's been the case for a few people that have been able to fully immerse themselves in their work. And that sort of creative flow, just the timing all just synchronized for people. It's a, it's That's a great right. story, to, great to hear. Well, it was definitely worth it because that show is incredible. I love it. So Bloom is an exhibition where, you know, you're, essentially you were self-managing it had it gone ahead as a physical event. And obviously now it's virtual, but it was all organized by you. What is the gallery situation and the Toronto art scene like over there? So I'm proud to announce that I'm, I'm not gallery represented. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure a lot of people would you know, be proud to say that. However, you know, seeing how the industry runs, and I'm very proud to say that I've been able to uh, do this on my own um, without gallery representation. Um, what has happened in the Toronto art scene is uh, there's a lack of inclusion in the Toronto art scene. Um, it's a very um, elite club. Um, and what I've noticed is, it's all, well, first of all, it's all about money. And I mean, we all definitely understand that. However, these, the artists that are represented in Toronto are not reflective of what the, the, the creative community looks like in Toronto. And I think that's a problem, uh, a major problem, um, not only because, uh, there are a lot of talented artists that are not being showcased or being discovered, um, but also there are lack of spaces for creatives to show their work in a major city in Canada. Uh, this is the metropolitan capital of Canada. So that is, that is uh, very unfortunate, very sad. And with what we're seeing happen, play out current, right in this current climate, we're, we're hoping and looking for change in that aspect. Uh, I haven't been represented since I started. Um, I have worked with some galleries on a, on a consignment basis, um, which is great. It's a learning experience. However, it's not something I would want to continue doing. Um, but what I've, what I've noticed is the moment you reach out, it almost seems as 
you know, you need to beg to be let in the door or to, to have a seat at the table. And, and even when, you know, even if you do, you're always given crumbs. We're talking, you know, the whole idea when it comes to gallery representation and uh, exposure and inclusion is really to get some proper equity. That's all, that's all we're looking for. Um, so, what, you know, I basically had decided to find a way to disrupt industry um, because it's not, the model is not really working. Um, and, you know, they know that um, and they're holding on very tight to what is left. Uh, with the internet, with the art, you know, art fairs and, and other abilities to show your work, uh, especially the internet, um, it's disrupting everything. And I, I decided to take a different route. I decided to, instead of, you know, worrying myself about try knocking on doors and keep on, you know, either being ignored or being told no. Or sometimes, you know, I've even heard you would, and this is in Canada, this is in Canada. I've even heard you would be better, you know, you'd be a better artist. You, you do very good in the U.S. And, you know, I don't know what that does or what they think that statement means and what that does to the morale of a Canadian artist being told by a Canadian gallery that you'd be better off in the U.S. You know, it's a, it's a slap in the face. And uh, I decided, you know what, I would rather take a different angle. So the angle I uh, you know, what I'm doing is I partner up with the private sector. So I reach out to brands, I reach out to uh, corporate entities who either have collections of their own or are, who, who are very... Um, who take arts as very importantly uh, in terms of supporting local art. Uh, I work with a company here in Toronto called Daniels Corp. They're a developer and um, they've, we've, we've formed a, a very good partnership in, in ways of showing my work and them owning my collection. They actually own a 35% of my, personal, my, my collection, which is uh, it's a feat that, that I'm very proud of, of, of that. And the, the works are in their economy buildings at office in Toronto. So these are the routes, you know, that I, this is the route that I'm taking in terms of without representation, all the ways that, you know, uh, we can make a, 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 a living, a, a good living off of the arts and be a thriving artist. Because I'm, I'm not a believer in that nonsense that I hear people say, oh, starving artist. No, no one ever goes into a career to be a starving banker or starving doctor. No one does that. So why is this whole stigma about the, the, the creative community and the arts? You have to be a starving artist. No, I, I, don't, I don't believe in that and I don't subscribe to that at all. Oh, so, I'm so pleased to hear that. I get that. I mean, I don't, I don't hear too many people describe themselves as starving artists, but in the DMs they say, I'm a struggling artist. Mm -hmm. It's essentially the same thing. It's like, how have you given yourself that label of like victims, you know, in, in a in a career that actually is meant to be full of creativity that you could, you know, should be able to sort of bend some of that to actually create more of an income. I absolutely agree. I think that's a defeatist mentality. And I don't believe in that. I, I'm, I'm, no matter what I do, I will be successful and I will thrive in that industry. It doesn't matter what it is. When I was in digital marketing and corporate, I did the same. And so, I'm, so I will do the same and I'm doing the same in my current arts career which i, I love it love it i love the mindset i love the action that you're taking and this is essentially the thing isn't it like all artists are self-representing to 
at some point in their career anyway, even if you had a gallery representing you, that is not gonna, it's not like a salary. It's still gonna be ad hoc income probably. And you still need to now go out and like have an online profile and sell through other channels anyway. That's so correct. How you've actually kind of reached out to people and uh, you know created relationships where they're collecting your work. Well done, love it. Thank you. Love it. What other changes do you think need to happen in the arts industry to support more black artists? Oh yeah, that's a good one. So we this this conversation has been you know I've been having this conversation lately. Now that we're we're holding institutions and galleries accountable for um for what what their actions and what we're seeing um and i know recently there was a uh, there was an article that came out about you know the this the the heads of the major galleries and the major art institutions in in north america uh being white and uh, the board of directors being white uh, the, the curators being white um, in order to, to hear everyone's stories, you're, you need to be more diverse. It needs to be more diverse. It needs to be more inclusive. Uh, there need to be more black curators. There need to be more black directors. There need to be more black board members or other people of color or, and women. These are very important things that need to happen. And it needs to happen now doesn't need to you we don't need to take steps to get it we need the change that needs to happen now and in order to do that in in including doing that sorry you need to pay them well so it's not just about hiring black curators or creators of color it's about paying them well for their services and the job that they do that's one two hearing their voices in terms of the projects that they introduce and they plan to introduce and approving those projects. That's another thing. It's, it's one thing to have somebody who, of color, a uh, person of color, a woman on, you know, in your institutional gallery. However, if they're not able to pro you know, provide content, um, they're just, what's the word? Uh, a placeholder. Yeah. Right? So it, it's, it's important to, to have these voices heard and to also, you know, review your programming. And you know, are you really telling all everyone's story? Are you are you are you? Do you have a platform that allows you know different stories to be heard? And if not, then you need to you need to change that. Uh, there, are there are lots of talented black, brown, other people of color artists, creatives out there that haven't had their voices heard in years and have very important things to say. So it's important that those changes need to be made. Uh, so it's, I, I'm, I think everyone should do an equity audit. Every single, every single institution and, and gallery. An equity audit needs to be done. And you need to determine, are you, are you doing what is needed to bring about change in industry? And if you're not, make those changes. If you are, continue and build upon that. Um, those are the things that need to be done, in my opinion. Uh, and I think when we start to see those changes, you really start to hear and see stories uh, uh, and um, that, have, that should be told and, and you were fascinated, you'll be fascinated by and disappointed at the same time, why, is it why did it take this long to hear the stories? 
and to see this talent because there's so many talented people out there that are not getting the opportunity. In life, everyone just needs opportunity. That's all it is. Comes down to opportunity. Give people the opportunity they need and you're going to see um, amazing things. So, I mean, I totally agree with pretty much all of that. I'm just, my concern, if I have one, is just like how these institutions will change their, their what do you call that, their staff, their boards, their, all these people are in these jobs that they've got probably, you know, on permanent contracts. People aren't going to step out of it. And, you know, and I've seen a lot recently, um, these last few weeks particularly, is people are now becoming more brave and talking about, their, uh, the discrimination that they faced, you know, in, in the arts, particularly, um, where their ideas would, you know, like a black curator will say their idea was taken and then it was just like implemented by somebody else. It was just, um, you know, in over 10 years, I've only ever shown like one black artist, all these sorts of things. Um, plus the sort of personal discrimination these people have faced as well. And I, I just think that there's so many institutions that are filled with people that just aren't really going to budge out of that job really and you know I, I just kind of want to see change in that way because yeah. because the other barrier to entry has often been the high bar that they put on things like MFAs and masters and PhDs and all these sorts of things which a lot of people you know like myself mm -hmm. you know yeah. a lot of people like yourself as well we've kind of gone down this um, entrepreneurial route just to have our own platforms because we found that to be better than because we found that a more appropriate avenue than trying to fit into something else where we were just always felt on the outside. I agree. I agree. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those type of people. I don't have, I don't have the answers to everything. No. <laughs> right. And um, I'm very, uh, I'm still new in, in the industry. I mean, it's only been five years. So there's a, lear a lot of learning for me, um, but from what I can see um, and what I would like to see is what I mentioned. Um, there's definitely other things that I know I'm, I'm learning along the way. And I, but I do believe that there are people out there that do have solutions to these, uh, to seeing that change. And I think, you know, we're going to start seeing more of the conversation uh, going on. I, I don't think this is going anywhere soon. I don't think this is not. This is going to be something where we just, oh wow, did you know, it's green for just a little bit, and then yeah, okay, let's get back to business as usual. I don't think business is going back to usual. I think uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna start seeing a new, a new way of business. Uh, and but I also, I also feel, uh, I really feel this that institutions or galleries that refuse to change are going to be shamed into change. Um, we're seeing that, uh, you know, we're, see, we're seeing that happen right now um, with social media of really putting fire to their feet in some, with some galleries and institutions. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll give a perfect example, you know, it was, was uh, one here in Toronto where uh, they were called out in terms of, you know, representation. And they decided to take major steps to address that issue. So, uh, without being called out directly, uh, some of them are feeling that they don't need to, they don't fall within those groups. But, we'll no, but people are going to start you know, calling them out and, and shaming them into making changes. Uh, so 
I'm a believer change is definitely on its way. We're already seeing it. Um, what type of uh, what type of change you know that will be? It's a different discussion, um, but we'll see. I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic that uh, change is definitely coming. We're going to see some changes. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's a marathon, not a sprint on this one. I think right. change is definitely afoot, which is really interesting watching it unfold as well online. You know, I mean, people are very um, sort of open about the sort of thing they're experiencing and also quite uh, confrontational when they're actually putting to galleries that, you know, changes that they actually want to see. So that's right. Local. Amazing. Benny, thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing talking to you as always. Um, I will add all the links into the show notes for your Instagram and your uh, website and the exhibition. Wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. The Curator Salon hopes you enjoyed this production.